Hello everyone and welcome to episode 10 of the Deerhorn. I'm your host Jay Ryan and this is a Seattle Lombard podcast for the curious and committed. First off, I just wanted to say, how's everyone doing? I'm not going to get into a Mark Marin level political or spiritual rant here, but it seems like slowly we're getting closer to being back to normal and travel's starting to open up, so I'm really looking forward to visiting the states and meeting some of the guests of the show and hopefully meeting some people that I haven't spoke to before and just being around people again. Um, Next time I return from work, we're planning a trip to Seattle and I'm hoping to meet up with Tim from PodMod and Kyle from Source of Uncertainty for a couple drinks and talk about podcast life. And I also realized that I forgot to mention in the last episode, uh, we did at the Deerhorn put out a compilation album with a bunch of uh, past and future guests of the show. And that's called Cocoa Butter. You can find it over on my band camp. Uh, The tape sold out, but I saved a few for promo copies and I still have them. So... If anyone bought the digital and would like a copy of the tape, or if you didn't buy it at all and you're just finding out about it now and you want a tape, just hit me up and I can get you a shipping quote and try and get the last few of those uh, out to a nice new home. And today on the show, we have one of the most requested Deerhorn guests, I would say, and that is none other than Mr. Sunbeamer. Uh, it's funny because I followed him and was a fan of his work, uh, before the podcast even started and just naturally over time, I got to know him a little bit and it's always nice to have a guest on when you already have some sort of a rapport with them. And, uh, I was really excited to finally have Damon on because he was a big part in, helping my record come to life and (laughs) I know we kind of explored the Seattle Lombard instruments like around similar time frames like we got Stuber around the same time and and things like that (laughs) I mean he's got a ton of them and he sure knows how to use them and he also did a special I, I believe Seattle Lombard only track for the podcast so we'll hear that as soon as this chat is done uh, that'll be the song that plays before we get into the conversation with Damon who is Sunbeamer and he also recently released a new album called Constellation and that's out now on Folded Note Records, and there's still some copies left over on the Folded Note Bandcamp. I'll uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, and I'll also put a link to his personal Bandcamp or any of his other releases as well, because if you haven't heard them or you're new to him, um, I highly recommend you, you check it all out. And in this chat with... Damon, we talk about uh, potent pairings for the Seattle Lombard gear. Uh, we talk quite a bit about playing live, and we also talk about his future plans as an artist. Um, yeah, so at the end of 
the chat. Uh, he sent over a song off his new album uh, called When Were We? So that'll be what you hear when the show ends. And that's a killer track as well. So just wanted to say thanks, Damon, again for coming on. Congrats on your new record. And uh, we'll see you next month, hopefully. As far as a background, I've been into music for, you know, forever. Um, I used to, you know, play in bands when I was a kid and, you know, on into high school. Uh, and uh, 
through college and all that fun stuff. And after college and, you know, uh, doing the band thing for a while, I moved and that kind of put all my music on the shelf for a while. And it really was probably a good span of like six years where I really didn't didn't kind of touch music for, for a while. And I found myself really missing it. You know, it's it's really something that I love and I feel like it's a part of who I am. And I thought, okay, well, I feel like getting a band together is a hassle and maybe I can make some music on my own. Um, and so, you know, I, I, you know, picked up a, picked up the guitar again, bought a few pedals, you know, started just kind of playing for myself. And I wasn't really sure where I was going with it. You know, I got a looper pedal and, you know, so I could, you know, play along with myself. I think this is probably a story you've heard a thousand times. Uh, and it got to the point where I figured, hey, you know, maybe I should try synthesizers because that's, you know, seems like a more efficient way to build out uh, something that feels a little bit more cohesive and fleshed out and, you know, has, you know, I don't have to build parts in a DAW because I, I don't really love working in the DAW. I, you know, my day job is uh, involved sitting in front of computers and, you know, I just sort of wanted to keep that to the minimum as much as I can. And it's not that I hate them or anything, but it was just something that I thought like, well, you know, I don't really want to spend my spare time also sitting in front of the computer. Um, so, you know, one thing led to another, and I think I got like a Volca Keys and a uh, and the, the first Arturia Mini Brute, Micro Brute, whatever the first one was. I want to say it was a Mini. And, uh, you know, so that was really cool. And, you know, then, if, Fast forward a little bit and I got into Eurorack synthesizers in about 2017, so about, you know, four going on five years ago. And yeah, and then I started just recording stuff um, and I just recorded everything all the time, always had stuff plugged in and, uh, you know, and then I put out an album and at the time I was pretty, you know, apprehensive about it, but I kind of felt like, you know, what, no, probably nobody's going to listen to this anyways. I might as well put it out there and just get that, you know, sort of off my plate and feel like, okay, now I can move forward and try to refine my craft and, you know, try to, you know, really find something that, uh, that makes me feel good in terms of, you know, my musical output. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how it started. Was this the record before the one unfolded? No. Yeah, this was outside inside. So that was something I did myself in like 2017. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just put that out myself, um, because I just wanted to do it. I just wanted to kind of like go through the experience of, 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 you know, producing something, mixing it, getting it mastered, putting a tape together. Um, and yeah, and I'm glad I did it because I learned a lot, um, uh, a lot of what not to do, but, uh, you know, that's, that's how you learn. Uh, <laughs> it's a big part of um, it. It's a big part of it. Lots of mistakes, but, uh, there are only mistakes if you don't learn from them. So. So yeah, so that was, you know, that was pretty enjoyable. And I thought, you know, hey, let's, let's keep this going. Um, and to answer your other question, as for the name, I got it uh, from my dog, who just was always, uh, he was always finding the sunbeams around the house to, to sit in. And, you know, he was just such a peaceful little guy. Uh, he's gone now, this was some years ago, but, uh, but yeah, you know, me and, uh, uh, 
my wife would always just say, "Oh, look, look at that little, look at that little sunbeamer," and I always thought, "Oh, that's kind of got a good, that's kind of got a good ring. It's got, you know, it makes me, it makes me feel good." So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that in my pocket for an artist name. And this was probably like three years before I put anything out. Um, I just sort of had that in my pocket because I knew it was a, a name I wanted to use. Yeah, it's it's a cool name too, and I can't say that like, especially knowing your music pretty well that. Like when I think of your name or see your handle online or anything, I I can't say that my first image is a dog chilling in the sun. <laughs> like yeah. it's cool that you know it came from that, but it definitely gives your whole thing an aura that's very different than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know my my brand of sort of ambient music, I guess you could say, is like it's not always like super you know soft and calming and peaceful. Uh, you know, I think, I think probably my background in sort of heavy music has, you know, a pretty strong influence on me. You know, I, you know, I like doom and I like, you know, uh, you know, hardcore and heavy music as well. So, you know, and I've listened to and played in a lot of, you know, bands like that. So uh, that's definitely, you know, still a strong influence for me. Um, but I still like the name. So, yeah. So like the heavier side of ambient or whatever you want to call it, was that something that like came supernatural to you because of your background or was that kind of like a conscious decision when, when you became some Beamer? I guess I would say it was a little bit of both. You know, I think I just sort of gravitated towards, you know, super, you know, saturated, uh, sounds at first, you know, I think I got like, uh, I got like a Moog sub 37, and I just, you know, thought, oh my gosh, this sounds so huge. You know, it was my first Moog synth. And, you know, as soon as I plugged it into some speakers that were not small, I was just like, yeah, this is, this, this is where we're going. And so then, uh, you know, add, add in some more distortion and some more heavy stuff and, and, you know, just a lot of like super, you know, fuzzed out, blown out, you know, uh, harmonically rich, uh, tones and, uh, and yeah, that, that, that really sort of like helped me find sounds like that. Um, I also want to say that working with Nathan uh, Moody uh, was also a big influence, especially like kind of early on in my, when I was sort of honing my process, you know, I really like, you know, his sort of style uh, and, you know, how he kind of brings that darkness. Um, and uh, I thought, you know, hey, this is, you know, th this is really cool to to hear people people doing this because I you know I was also listening to a lot of not that kind of stuff you know the maybe some Anne Annie or you know um, as far as modular stuff is concerned <clears throat> or um, you know our Benny stuff is is I think pretty dense you know it's sort of in that middle it's not it's beautiful but it's you know still feels kind of heavy it's pretty and, heavy uh, <laughs> yeah you know I. That, that, you know, I, I always felt like I gravitated more towards that sort of thing than to the stuff that felt a little bit more light and airy. And, you know, um, yeah, I always felt like that was more my my vibe. Well, it's funny because I know, like, for me personally, I think, uh, I guess before I made my record, I, I was all over the place. And I, you know, I came from a rock background as well and kind of leaned towards the heavier stuff. and trying to find the balance between like the softer kind of pretty ambient and the heavier stuff was a little tricky and now I find that it kind of depends on you know what I'm using and with someone like you then and and explaining like kind of your background and what you create um it's no surprise that you ended up with a surge eventually <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, uh, you had nothing to do with that at no. all, uh, obviously. <laughs> Um, but yes, uh, I've really been enjoying my, my surge explorations as well. I'm, it's still, you know, a new instrument for me and, uh, uh, I still have a lot to learn, but yeah, it's, uh, it's promising. I like the places it's taken me. Yeah. It's, I, I just find like the one thing that, you know, I really notice in the, the time that I've spent using surge stuff, it seems like, like you can get as wild as possible, like as aggressive as can be but it'll never get harsh whereas a lot of things kind of you know fall apart when you're really driving everything and wave folding and whatever but the surge just seems to just get bigger and chunkier somehow yeah the, the sound is incredible i mean that was the first thing that struck me when i when i plugged it in and turned it on and it's just like you know wow like these you know this just such simple you know, tones at first, because I, you know, didn't want to go too crazy. I wanted to kind of see, you know, how it sounded just sort of pure. And yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah. And I, I don't even know why I went there. Like it's not uh, the Surge podcast, but <laughs> I, I think, yeah, with your sound, like to me, it just seems like a really natural thing for you to spend some time with. Um, so yeah, you, you got into Eurorack, but then how did that lead to the banana and more esoteric stuff like Seat Lombard. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if I can honestly say what the fir what my first exposure to Seat Lombard was. Like, I really, maybe it was Heinbach, and I know again that's a, a pretty common answer. He he is the gateway for a lot of people. I I can't say that for sure though. I don't really have like a crystallized memory of you know the first time I you know, saw a Coco Qantas or, you know, a Sidrax or something. So I, it was, yeah, I mean, it was probably him. It was probably Heinbach. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like that's just the safe answer. Um, so yeah, so I, you know, I, I got into Eurorack and Sense because I just, I always enjoyed how it sort of eschews the normal, rules of composition, you know, being in coming from a traditional music background, like have a music degree. And, you know, like I said, I played in bands and, you know, I just sort of, I wanted something that, that, you know, took the conventional, you know, uh, structure of songwriting and just tossed it out the window. And when I saw the C at Lombard instruments, I just thought, wow, like this, this seems like something really interesting. And Maybe it's a little too weird for me, but I really got to try it. I got to try this thing. So I got a Coca Qantas, and that was a couple years ago. And I just feel like it was just immediate for me. It wasn't, you know, I've, I've had some instruments that I, you know, sort of slowly fell in love with and, you know, some stuff that, uh, you know, hasn't worked out. But I really have to say that as soon as I got the Coco Qantas, that was, that was game over. I was like, I know this is, I know this is a road I want to go down. Um, and so then I got a Plum Butter, uh, and then I got a Sidrax, and then I got a Deerhorn, and I uh, then I got a Stuber, and I just got a Tetrax, and <laughs> just, you know, I I was like, I am full, full all in on this. Um, it just, it has just this quality that I haven't been able to to get with anything else. And, and I don't know, like, I guess you could probably, with enough, you know, trickery and you know maybe plugins or you know whatever like you could probably get some kind of approximation of the sound of this stuff but i 
you know, the way in which you get there, you know, doesn't sound like very much fun um, if I wasn't doing it with, with the C.L. Lombard instruments. Um, and they have, they have that grit and they have that noise. And, you know, like I was saying, I, I just, I like, I like the noisier side of things. And I just felt like it's just a really good flavor. And, and it really has a personality all of its own. Um, and another thing that I've just really enjoyed about them is just how they just continue to reveal things over time. You know, I, I've had a lot of instruments where, you know, maybe after a few months or a year of, of using it frequently, I feel like, all right, you know, I've, I'm feeling comfortable. I feel like I've kind of unlocked most of the secrets and, you know, you kind of fall into a pattern of usage. But I got a plum butter in June of last year and I just, you know, I've never put it away. It's never, you know, taken, uh, you know, a little hiatus for me to work on some other stuff. Like it's always out and I play it, you know, almost every day and I still feel like I'm learning things and discovering things but at the same time obviously I'm a lot more comfortable with it than I was a year ago and you know I've taken it to shows and patched it from scratch and stuff um, because I, I feel like I do have that level of comfort <laughs> you're that brave I yeah <laughs> I don't feel like you know I don't feel like I you know know all of its secrets and I I don't know if I ever will feel like I know all of its secrets and that is just so enticing to me yeah, I don't want to know exactly. I, yeah, what the, the the mystery is 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 part of you know the fun. Um, uh, that and I just you know uh, I find Peter to be a fascinating person, and uh, you know I I love listening to his talks, and uh, it always makes me you know think about new ways to uh, to create stuff with his instruments. So you know I just I find that aspect really inspiring as well. <clears throat> I think that's funny what you said too about how like you know, you kind of get familiar with things and you get into patterns. Like the one thing I noticed that was really specific to see at Lombard is that anytime that happens, I notice it right away and like consciously make a point to be like, okay, what haven't I explored? What haven't I done? And every time I've done that, it's yielded new, but equally interesting results. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I still get excited when I think of a new idea or maybe I'm, you know, chatting about it with, you know, uh, other people who you see at Lombard stuff and, you know, we're just sharing ideas or sharing patch ideas and someone says, oh, well, I, you know, I always patch this to that. And I thought, you know, sheesh, I've had this thing for a year and I've never done that. So now I'm going to go do that and, you know, create my own take on, you know, that patch technique, um, you know, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just really rewarding and uh, you know the sort of ephemeral nature of of the patchwork is also you know something that is uh, you know attractive to me um, I you know when I first got into Eurorack I was like oh my gosh you know I'm not gonna if I turn if I turned it off I'm gonna lose it you know it's all gonna be gone but you know <laughs> now, having been into Seattle Lombard for a while, it feels like Eurorack is so stable. Like, you know, that, like, of course I could repeat it in Eurorack. You know, it, it, my, my perspective is a little bit different now. Um, but, uh, you know, it is surprisingly just, you know, I don't have too much trouble repeating the same techniques, and, and, but then I get a slightly different result, just, just a little bit, and it's enough to you know, to where I feel like I can sort of repeat the same thing, 
and get ever so slightly different results. And that is that is just so, you know, inspiring to me. Whereas I feel like sometimes with the Eurorack stuff, if I repeat the same, you know, sort of patch programming or patch process, I get pretty much the same result that I did last time I did it. Um, and that, you know, I I don't find that to be as as inspiring as as you know when I do it with the CL Lombard stuff. Yeah, I, I actually kind of wanted to ask you a slightly different question than what I normally ask people, but I know, like anyone that follows you, probably has seen that you know you tend to make pretty focused little setups and and work with those. Like, what have you found to be some really good pairings with the CL Lombard stuff? That's a great question. Um, Cocoa and anything, uh, you know, <laughs> is that a fair answer? It's just, <laughs> it just takes anything that you put into it and, you know, makes it sound wonderful. I love, you know, the preamps, I love the noise, you know, and I love, uh, you know, how you, how you sort of build relationships among, you know, the oscillators uh, to then modulate the Cocos, you know, kind of in, uh, you know, related, but you know, disparate ways. Um, I really love the Sidrax and Tetrax with some pedals. Um, unfortunately, it does usually involve me mixing them down to mono, um, although I could use, you know, an insert or something like that. But uh, sometimes I don't mind just slamming them into mono um, because mixing the sort of hard panning uh, aspect of those instruments later can be a little bit... Uh, tricky yeah i find that uh especially true with like the sidrax and tetrax yeah for sure it doesn't i don't get that too much with plum um no but uh with sid and, and tetrax i i get that a bit so the uh uh Dusk, uh taken delay is one of my favorite uh pedals to use with those instruments um and then i also like the from the same um company the drum reverb is really cool um, I'm trying to think of what some of my other favorite pairings are. I really like, uh, I really like using Norns with this as well, and that's probably another popular answer, but I just feel like Norns has, you know, it's such a, you know, open world of possibilities. It can be very easy to just kind of get lost in there and, you know, uh, not know where to go, but the, you know, using Norns as a buffer machine, you know, as a looper, as, you know, something to sort of save audio, mangle audio and play it back with, um, is really great with, with, you know, um, Plum Butter and, and Sid and, and Tetrax especially. So I do a lot of that. It's funny you mentioned the Norns thing too, cause you're right. It has been like a pretty common, a common thing, like amongst Seat Lombard users and people that have been on this podcast. And I, I've tried a couple times. I never quite got along with it, but I think there must be something in there that kind of um, tickles the same part of the creative brain for people, you know? Like, it, obviously, without the modular and whatever, it's it's not the same as a Seat Lombard instrument, but the, the things that it does and the way that it makes you want to use it has to... There's got to be some magic in that somewhere. I like it because it presents itself and it presents, you know, what it offers kind of in a, in a simple way that, you know, allows for as much complexity as, as you want to add. And so I feel like 
in a way that's kind of freeing for me. It frees me up to focus on patching the Seat Lombard and and you know kind of focusing on that while I just you know let Norns do its thing as maybe a looper or you know just uh, you know slicing up or, or capturing audio. Um, you know I just I like the interface. It's super simplistic um, and. I also just love that it's stereo and it's small and it's portable. Uh, and yeah, ever since I, you know, really got into Seattle Lombard stuff, I found myself being, you know, sort of drawn to anything that accepts or puts out stereo signals. Like it's, I just can't go back to, to jamming everything in mono now. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, so another thing I wanted to ask you about is, you seem to, I mean, I know there was COVID and everything, but you, you seem to uh, be able to play live quite a bit. Uh, you know, now I know it's a little harder with the COVID base world, but you've still been managing to do it a little bit. And I know before that you were quite active as well. Is that some sort of like opportunity that comes because you're pretty well connected in your community or is that something you really work hard on to try and make happen? I think it's both. I think first it stems a little bit from my background as like sort of a traditional musician and just kind of that uh, desire to, you know, play shows and play live. Um, and, you know, I, I like the connection with people, you know, it's nice to meet people and have people ask questions about what is this weird shit you have on your table. <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, I like seeing people's reactions because it kind of reminds me of, you know, my reaction the first time I saw this stuff. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> uh, uh, so it's, yeah, and it, it is a community building thing. You know, every time that, you know, we've been doing like a live show or I've, I've had some kind of... Um, you know, thing to put together. It, I've just met great people, and um, I think even even though it is more difficult now due to COVID, I almost think it's even more important because, you know, COVID has certainly been, you know, like a, you know, just we've all been really isolated, right? It's been a really isolating sort of experience, and and you know, as much fun as it is to connect with people online, and how I feel like that has been a huge help during this whole thing, and I feel like it's gotten me through a lot. You know, it is it is still really nice to connect with people in your community and to kind of create, you know, a little, uh, you know, uh, scene or whatever you want to call it, you know, a group, just people that, uh, you know, have have similar uh, tastes or, you know, goals or, or whatever. And, you know, a lot of the shows I play, you know, are not all like ambient, you know, modular stuff. It's not like a bunch of people that do the exact same thing that I'm doing. Um, but there's enough shared threads that I feel like you know, it's always, it's always really rewarding. And uh, I've just, I've met some fantastic people um, here uh, and especially in Austin, I was there for a while. And, you know, just what a, what a fantastic community they have going there as well. So what you're saying is like, if, if you're on a bill where it might not, it might be like a, a softer ambient thing or a more rhythmic thing, like you can kind of shape how you're going to perform to fit in better with that the vibe of that show a little bit i wouldn't say that i really adjust you know like my music for the show um but i mean maybe a little you know i might i might you know bring you know just like a little bit more of a rhythmic feel from plum butter if you know if it's more of that kind of show 
Uh, you know, if it's if it's full on ambient, you know, maybe I'll maybe it'll be a little bit more clicky than than like straight up drum stuff. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say that I shape my my output to the show too much. I kind of just do what I do, and you know, if if it doesn't fit, then it doesn't fit. But um, you know, so far reactions are generally positive, and that's that's another thing about uh, sort of a difference between the live performance aspect. Uh, um, of doing something like this, what we do versus, you know, bands is I feel like it's always seems like to be such a supportive, you know, positive community thing. There isn't like any weird posturing or, you know, like ego stuff that you get, you know, with, with a more traditional band, uh, you know, setup. Um, so, you know, that I, I don't really ever feel like I have to, I have to fit in. Yeah, I think I was just talking about more like in, in exactly what you said, how, you know, if, if there is a more rhythmic vibe, you can kind of lean into the plum butter for that. Because all I think that is, is is experience, you know, like you clearly have a background in doing this and those little things are are what kind of makes you be able to keep doing this and do it successfully, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, you know... There is a little bit, you know, obviously I'm considering, you know, where I'm playing, you know, the, the venue and, you know, what, what the vibe might be like. Um, and so, you know, I try to take that into consideration when I'm building a set, but I, you know, don't let it influence me too, too, too heavily. Well, this is kind of a great way to segue into something else because uh, a friend of mine uh, and I were talking about your new record and uh, we were raving about it. And, and he described it kind of perfectly, and I think everything we just talked about uh, comes across in that. And he said, it sounds very mature. And, and like, I don't, I don't know how you want to take that, but I, as soon as, as he said it, I, I knew exactly what he meant. Like, you could tell there was someone who's put in the hours and knew what they were trying to accomplish with the album. Uh, that's, it's very flattering. I feel like that's, uh, that's a high compliment. You know, I think, uh, um, yeah. So tell your friend, thank you. Um, but, uh, it's Joe Malone. Yeah. <laughs> I figured it might be. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, you know, I've, I've been doing it for a little while now, I guess. And so I, it is, it is rewarding to hear that. Um, because, you know, I feel like with any, you know, craft, you, you work at it and you try to refine it and, you know, always improve, you know, I just, I don't ever, I never want to feel like I don't have anything else to learn or I don't have anything else to do, or, you know, I've, I've explored all the territory there is to explore, you know, I think that's, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's not really how, how I want to live, um, <laughs> or, or make my music. Um, so that's, uh, that's really kind of him to say, um, uh, Joe's a great guy, and uh, I'm really into his music as well. So, um, yeah, it's it, it feels good. I was trying not <laughs> to say his name because I feel like I say it at least once every episode. But uh, <laughs> he's yeah. he's the fa- the phantom guest. The phantom <laughs> guest, yeah. But but like I don't know that I would have. I mean, Joe has been doing this a really long time. He's a little bit older than us as well. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I think he probably listens different and has a little bit of wisdom or whatever. But I, I don't know that I would have would have said that myself. But as soon as he said it, I'm like, that's exactly it. Because what I kept noticing was that the big moments were big and the small moments were small. 
And that's such a hard thing, at least personally, I find to do because you just want everything big. And, and I think being able to know when, you know, small is the right thing is what mature and experienced musicians are. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, I, I try to make a conscious decision when putting this together that, you know, I didn't I didn't want it to be just strictly like a drone record because I feel like that's, you know, kind of an easy trap for me to fall into personally. Um, and and so, yeah, so I, you know, I wanted to make I wanted to make those, mo- you know, those moments um, happen. And I, I but without without sacrificing, you know, what I feel like is you know, my DNA as an artist, which is, you know, there's heavy stuff, there's noise, there's distortion, there's feedback. Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't want it to be overwhelming. I wanted it to feel, you know, like uh, you were moving through a journey, you know, and, and you know, you have those moments uh, where stuff is tense and you feel, you know, maybe panicked or, or, or you know, scared or, or, you know, just sort of that intense feeling, uh, but then pull that back. Um, to, to kind of give yourself a, um, you know, a moment to breathe. So with this record, did you kind of have a plan and a story uh, for it before you started? Or was it something where you had a couple tracks and started to feel something come together? Yeah, um, as far as the process for the record, it came together sort of as I was recording it. And I, I would say probably during like you know, the latter third of it was where things kind of really started to crystallize for me in terms of a an overall narrative, I guess you could say, or like, you know, an overall theme um, for everything. The recordings were done over the span of about a year. Um, and, you know, I don't know, you know, what your process is like or, you know, but, uh, you know, for me at least when I almost never know when I start to record an album. It's usually just like, you know, I have some recordings and then kind of when I get towards the middle and I feel like it's a body of work that is that is sort of coming together as, you know, a cohesive, um, you know, thought, uh, that is when, you know, I start to refine things more or at least be a little bit more conscious about how I'm doing stuff. Um, but in the in the beginning, it's almost always just sort of like it just kind of happens, and I'm not really I'm not really trying to go for anything, and then I just sort of let you know I let it guide me kind of towards the middle and end of the process as I feel like you know things are coming together. So you would have been kind of using like a lot of different instruments and setups and everything then to kind of put this together, I guess. Uh, kind of not really. This, I mean, this record specifically actually was made with a fairly limited amount of gear. This was basically a little 62 HP pallet, um, Norns, and, you know, Sidrax, Plum Butter, and Cocoa. That's basically the whole record. Um, and, you know, like I said at the beginning, when I'm just kind of doing whatever and, you know, seeing what happens usually as I get to sort of the middle of the recording process, that's when some of the stuff that maybe was done earlier gets cut because, you know, it wasn't, you know, maybe it had some weird sounds or I didn't really feel like the setup, you know, fit the, you know, the theme of the record or how how I felt. Um, And so that it helps me kind of narrow down, not just the music, but my recording setup as, as I'm going. Um, 
yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, like, if you change stuff up, like, it can completely change your sound, and now you're like, how does this fit with what I was trying to accomplish initially, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it, and that's something that I feel like, you know, I did a lot better job of, at least, you know, on a personal level, I felt like, you know, like, uh, like hey, I, I feel like I did a better job this time around of, of keeping that cohesion, whereas I feel like maybe on my first record especially, the, you know, setup was much more widely varied and I feel like that doesn't it doesn't always lend itself to really making the album feel like a single work yeah I mean that being said I do think your album was still pretty cohesive the first one unfolded no oh yeah I I guess I meant two albums ago uh like my first first one that I did myself but yeah it you know like you said it's a it's a process and you know we we just try to improve as I as I go but uh but yeah, it's it's definitely something that that you know I'm always conscious of uh, during sort of assembling the recordings and and you know finishing it up. Uh, and I wanted to ask you about this uh, kind of quickly because I know you got quite into it on that Etherwaves podcast, and I'll throw a link to that in in the show here. But so, what is Folded Note, and how did that come to be? Yeah, um, so Folded Note was just an idea that I had, and, you know, I uh, I mentioned earlier that I have a music degree and, you know, from college, and I had always sort of thought about, you know, working at a record label or something like that, you know, or, or you know, uh, having some kind of industry job, and, you know, life takes you weird places, and that's not where I ended up, but, you know, I never really, I never really gave up that you know, that thought, that dream, whatever you want to call it. Um, and yeah, after, after, you know, I was mostly done with Halcyon, my release from last year, I thought, you know, I thought about shopping it around, you know, sending it to some labels that I liked and stuff like that. And then I just felt like, why not, why not do it myself? Why not, but not just do it myself, but, you know, kind of create something around this rather than, you know, just kind of throwing an album out there. Um, and so I was talking this idea over with, uh, uh, Brian and, uh, and he said, you know, Hey, this sounds really cool. How would you feel about doing this as, as a partnership? Are you, are you dead set on doing this alone? And I said, no, absolutely not. You know, I, you know, uh, I would love to have you on board. And, uh, then we, and, you know, we brought Joe on board as well. Kind of like pretty much all of this was sort of forming, you know, it wasn't like, first me and Brian and then Joe, you know, we kind of all really started it together. Um, so then we took about a year to kind of really think through what we wanted our sort of mission to be, what we wanted our vibe to be, you know, what kind of music we wanted to put out, you know, and sort of, and we also sort of assembled a few releases kind of to have ready to go because we wanted to have a couple things come out in a relatively quick fashion after the first one, just to kind of let people know, you know, hey, here's here's a little picture of what we feel like, you know, is the stuff that we really love that we want to put out. And maybe that'll give you an idea if, you know, if we're the kind of label that you're going to dig or not. Um, and yeah, and I think you probably hear this from most people who <clears throat> have some kind of label going, but really, we just want to put out music that we love. You know, it's, you know, 
if it's not a record that I feel like I'm going to go back and listen to again and again because I love it, you know, it, it might not it might not make the cut. You know, there's there's a lot of music out there and, you know, we don't want to, uh, you know, we don't want to put pressure on ourselves to like put out some kind of certain number of releases. Um, and we also feel like that as an artist, it's nice to have a place to release your music where you feel like you have a little bit of room to breathe and there isn't some other pending release, you know, coming out two weeks after yours. Um, and so, you know, all of that was kind of part of our thought process in putting together Folded Note. And we're really happy. Uh, we're coming up on a year, actually. This will be, <laughs> apparently I'm doing yearly releases. Um, <laughs> wait, no, I'm not. I don't want to promise anything. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, the our first release was, you know, the beginning of October of last year. And, um, and yeah, so we're coming up on a year now. And, you know, I just, you know, I'm super happy with how everything has panned out. And, um, you know, Brian and Joe are amazing. And, uh, you know, having, having, you know, it be a, really a partnership between all three of us has been really great. You know, I think that uh, looking back that, you know, I was thinking about doing this myself and now I, I can't really envision that because, you know, I don't know, it's kind of the same thing where you maybe as an artist and you're listening to your music a lot and you kind of get lost in, in your own head or maybe, you know, you just feel like you need some outside opinions or, you know, you just feel like you've, you've laser focused in so much that you've got blinders on and, and you kind of feel like you're losing perspective. Um, you know, that's not really a that's not really a problem we have because we just have each other to, you know, sort of, you know, check, balance, you know, discuss. Um, and, you know, it, it's fantastic. I think, too, as someone who's been fortunate enough to work with the label, like uh, when you work with you guys on a release, it becomes pretty clear that everyone has kind of an important role to play and a specific role to play in that process. Yeah, we all have our own strengths, you know, and I think we we just play to those, you know, uh, you know, uh, Joe's talents are slightly different than my talents are slightly different than Brian's talents. And, you know, rather than try to wrestle with that, you know, we try to leverage that to make it, you know, a strength rather than a weakness. Yeah, and I think like the growth of the label too in such a short time has been pretty impressive. Like I know even with um, Aldrin's release when you guys did the thing where he took over the Instagram for the week, and, like little things like that, I think just m make it feel so much more like like personal, I guess, you know? Like it, it makes you feel like the artist is really part of the family. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a new thing we tried um, with him. And uh, yeah, and we, we all had a lot of fun with it. And, you know, he was fantastic to work with. And, you know, his album is incredible. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we were really pleased with, with kind of how that went. And uh, we might do it again. It was great. Um, yeah, so when, I mean, we're recording this early, but when exactly is the release date for your new album? Yeah, the new album is called Constellation, and it comes out Friday, October 1st. Um, it'll be on the Folded Note Bandcamp page, and we'll have cassettes for pre-order. Um, as of us talking right now, they're in production, and we probably will have them just like a couple weeks after release. Um, but the production times are long now because of COVID and everything else. And uh, yeah, so we'll, 
probably by the time this comes out, <laughs> there, there might be uh, tapes in the wild already. But uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be out Friday the first. Yeah, and I can like curate with you when is the best time to do this too. Like if you want to do it a little bit for or a little bit after, whatever works is fine for me. Yeah, I mean I'm not uh, you know tied to any kind of like schedule for for this sort of thing. So uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of whatever on that on that side. All right, so I guess one last thing then. What uh, what's in the near future or distant future for Sunbeamer? Uh, really, just this this record. Um, you know, it's been uh, it's it's been in the box for a while, so it's it'll be really great to have it out there in the world. And uh, as far as what I want to do next, you know, I'm always recording, and I think you know I'll probably take a little bit of time to to change up my setup a little bit. You know, I think I've been leaning on some uh, I'll, the Seattle Lombard sticking around, of course. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's a few things that I think you know I'll probably end up changing. Uh, up a little bit uh, as far as as far as my setup, and then I think something else that I'm sort of looking forward to uh, doing for the rest of the year and next year is uh, I'd probably like to do some maybe just some one-off tracks for maybe collaborations or compilations. Um, I kind of got away from you know I did a I did a split with um, my friend Matt who is a scapecraft out of the UK a couple of years ago, and I had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, so I think I'd probably like to set some time aside to to kind of do some collabs or compilations or kind of some some smaller projects um, coming up. 